come on into the earth, church. Reverend Billy here, trying to preach for the planet, trying to preach for this spinning blue and white wet rock. Oh, but right now, things are just falling apart. I was going to invite you up to the pulpit here. I just need to be with somebody who also doesn't know where they are. I want you to be with me and hear me because I don't know who I am or where I'm going. And I need to reach out to people who just feel the vertigo of placelessness, the tsunami of randomness that will lift us up from the pulpit and break through the vault of this cathedral and fling us into space. We'll fall to our death or we'll fly to our temporary evolved life. What a time things fall apart. What a time we're in right now. We don't know how to make shapes and sequences and meanings. Ooh, got a headache, got vertigo. Pick up the paper a million school children with COVID? No. My partner's right now just going to get Lena from school. Oh, Savitri and Lena, I wish you safety and health. Just read the, the suicides, the, the suicides, the despair. Don't be shocked by the mind of COVID, I tell myself. Don't be shocked by the super intelligence that is in charge, for which the utter confusion of Western man is necessary.
We've got to admit that something is happening in this world that we've not been addressing. There's a hurricane in every state of the union. There are 50 hurricanes right now in the United States. That's right, 5-0. There's a hurricane in every state, in every county of the United States. There are 74,000 counties in the United States. In every county in the United States, there is a tornado. There are 74,000 tornadoes in the United States right now. In every city and every town of the United States, there is unusual, deadly, awful weather there are extinct animals biting the children. There is an apocalypse in operation right now. The apocalypse has arrived finally. And what are we doing about it? We're all in movie theaters watching blockbuster movies about apocalypses. But if we walked out the front door of that theater, which we will eventually, when the popcorn runs out, we'll walk down that street and we'll realize there's a tornado coming towards us right up Main Street. And then we'll look up into the sky and we'll realize, oh, that's a hurricane. And then we'll see Vast numbers of extinct animals rushing towards us. The ghosts of extinct animals. They want to consume us. They want to eat us alive. They want to eat our souls. They want to burrow under our skin and make us explode. And here they come. And we'll say, my God, honey, what are we going to do? We better run. We better go back into that. Let's go back to that movie theater. I think the next blockbuster is about to start. And we run back to the movie theater. We run back into the movie theater. And we like get our ticket. And we run back in there. We get our popcorn. And we sit down. Thank God. We're safe.
Reverend Billy here. I'm in the Coney Island Museum speaking to you from this wonderful, strange memorabilia from generations of freaks on the walls here. I'm here with my living freaks, my friends, Teddy and Lori and Patrick. Hello, welcome. You're the church today. No, you're the church out there, yes. We're in the mega church here. Yeah, thousands and thousands of us. Freaks, all of us are freaks. We don't have a place anymore uh, since we've moved to COVIDville. No, we don't have the kind of place we thought we should have all these years. A man's home is his castle kind of place. A property line's bank account's mortgages kind of place. Walls. That kind of place has walls around it. A kind of epidermal, sensitive, technological skin that repels the other and keeps a lot of things outside. Those walls have been discredited. Now let's all get in touch with our freak self right now. Amen. I remember shouting that all day a few years ago when I was the uh, Neptune king and Savitri was the mermaid queen and Lena was our princess and still is. We led the mermaid parade. We were trying that year to keep the chain stores, keep the motels, the Marriott's and the the marinas and all that. We were trying to keep Coney from becoming monetized by the monoculture. And I think we succeeded. I mean, it wasn't us. It was these people here. The freaks rose up and the native Coney people rose up. This place, Mayor Dick Ziggin, you saved yourselves. You rejected about 800 chain stores that were ready to flood into this place with the power of Mike Bloomberg and the corrupt politicians. And here we are. We're here now, today, took the F train out, and it feels right to be here in the time of COVID. Because of our freak self, we are nature. We are without names and numbers. We are fluid in motion. We have an identity that is so alive that it rejects the labels. We are nature. And COVID teaches us that we are nature. Coney teaches us that we are nature. I'm feeling that I'm understanding this 2020, this dangerous year, so much better being here and now. Of course, it's dark outside. Coney is... The rides, the cyclone, the wonder wheel, they're just frozen in space. Coney's shut down. I feel alive though here. Even with the walls crashed, the roads covered with collapsed mountains, the 150 mile an hour winds hitting Central America again. That's weekly now. I think we were onto something. We were Predicting the future when we made that 50 hurricanes piece you just heard. That was years ago we made that piece. They want to lock us down for the holidays. Those people in those big institutions, those leaders that 
tell us they are our leaders. They, they are telling us to be moderate citizens. Enjoy your lockdown. Shop. And an Amazon delivery person will throw you your package from a social distance at your door. Well, you're not our leaders anymore. I think we are realizing the earth is our leader. And our leaders, from the big institutions who want us to shop, I think we're free of you forever. And you're trying to sell us a vaccine. Well, we'll take that vaccine and we'll survive. But don't try to sell us the golden era after the vaccine. Don't try to sell us some kind of future back in consumer society. No. We are nature. We are walking ecosystems. We are dangerous to you, monoculture people. We have hundreds of thousands of living things inside of our bodies. We are freaks. We are new species. We are evolving in this time of accelerating extinction. We know the viruses and storms and fires have given us a signal. The earth is speaking to us. We're learning that language again. And we're coming home. No. There's no golden time. There's no America waiting for us after the vaccine. After the vaccine is more nature. And that's where we are now. Earthalluya. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. The Trump administration is advancing plans to auction drilling rights in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge before the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden, who has vowed to block oil exploration in the rugged Alaska wilderness. Heat waves may be bad for your pregnancy. Each one degree Celsius increase in temperature was associated with a 5% increase in preterm birth and a 5% increase in stillbirth. Ticks carrying the deadly Rocky Mountain spotted fever disease are more than twice as likely to shift their feeding preference from dogs to humans when temperatures rise. The global food system, everything from clearing land and felling forests for cattle ranches to the arrival of meat and vegetables on a suburban family dinner plate, accounts for 30% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. British and U.S. scientists report in the journal Science that they looked at the challenge of feeding a global population that has almost trebled in one human lifetime and could reach 9 or 10 billion later this century. They found that the greenhouse gas emissions from food production alone would by 2050 take the world to the 1.5 degrees Celsius target and to 2 degrees Celsius by the end of the century. Many consumers have found a way to cope with the knowledge that products they like have been made unethically. They simply forget they ever knew it. In a series of studies, researchers found that consumers conveniently forgot that brands of desks were made with wood from rainforests, or that jeans may have been made with child labor. In fact, consumers not only forget the uncomfortable truth, but sometimes misremember the facts and believe that the offending product was made ethically. It's not necessarily a conscious decision by consumers to forget what they don't want to know, said Rebecca Rexek, professor of marketing. It is a learned coping mechanism to tune out uncomfortable information because it makes their lives easier. 
A French petition backed by political and cultural figures, environmental organizations, and trade unions titled Noël Sans Amazon, Amazon Free Christmas, is calling on consumers to not buy any gifts from Amazon for the upcoming holidays. It is addressed to Santa Claus himself. Signers include Paris Mayor Anne Hidalgo and her green counterparts from Grenoble and Poitiers. Greenpeace and many other environmental NGOs join the petition. A shopkeeper's confederation and a bookseller's trade union are among the private sector signatories. The diverse coalition is representative of the wide palette of grievances brought against Amazon in France. Small businesses are asking to reopen in time for so-called Black Friday in order to compete with the giant corporation. A major fire at India's Bhagajan oil field was extinguished after burning for six months. The Oil India well caught fire back in June, and totally dowsing the blazes took months. The Wildlife Institute of India believes that the fire will have a major impact on the environment of nearby national parks. Highly toxic insecticides used on cats and dogs to kill fleas are poisoning rivers across England. The discovery is extremely concerning for water insects and the fish and birds that depend on them. Scientists expect significant environmental damage is being done. The research found fipronil in 99% of samples from 20 rivers, and the average level of one particularly toxic breakdown product of the pesticide was 38 times above the safety limit. Fipronil and another nerve agent called imidacloprid that was found in the rivers have been banned from use on farms for some years. There are 66 licensed veterinary products containing fipronil and 21 containing imidacloprid in the UK, many of which are sold without prescription. Many pets are treated every month whether the flea treatment is needed or not. While they may feel uncomfortable, face masks do not significantly change the actual work of breathing or the flow of oxygen and carbon dioxide when worn while exercising. Wearing a face mask helps limit the spread of COVID-19 by reducing respiratory droplets and aerosols spewed into the air when people breathe, talk, laugh, sneeze, or cough. But the physical barrier created by masks has prompted concerns that they might impair the cardiopulmonary system by making it harder to breathe by altering the flow of inhaled oxygen and exhaled carbon dioxide, and by increasing dyspnea, a medical term that describes shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, especially during physical activity. A team of American and Canadian researchers concluded that while sensations of dyspnea might increase, there is little empirical evidence that wearing a face mask significantly diminishes lung function, even when worn during heavy exercise. There might be a perceived greater effort with activity but the effects of wearing a mask on the work of breathing on gases like oxygen and CO2 and blood or other physiological parameters are small, often too small to be detected. Does TV increase parental stress? The more TV kids watch, the more ads they see, and the more likely they are to ask for things. That may contribute to parents' overall stress levels, researchers found. The more advertising children see, the more they ask for things, and the more conflict is generated, said lead study author Matthew Lapierre. What we haven't looked at before is what the potential effect is on parents. We know kids ask for things. We know it leads to conflict. But we wanted to ask the next question. Could this be contributing to parents' overall stress? The study suggests that it could. 
There are a few things parents can do, perhaps the most obvious of which is limiting screen time. Commercial content is there for a reason, to elicit purchasing behavior. So if there's a problem, maybe shut off the TV, LaPierre said. And now, the sounds of extinction. The jaguar is a large felid species and the only extant member of the genus Panthera native to the Americas. The jaguar's present range extends from the southwestern United States and Mexico across much of Central America and south to Paraguay and northern Argentina. Though there are single cats now living within Arizona, the species has largely been extirpated from the United States since the early 20th century. It is listed as near-threatened, and its numbers are declining. Threats include loss and fragmentation of habitat. The jaguar is the largest native cat species of the New World, and the third largest in the world. Its preferred habitat is tropical and subtropical moist broadleaf forest, swamps, and wooded regions. The jaguar enjoys swimming and is largely a solitary, opportunistic stalk-and-ambush predator at the top of the food chain. As a keystone species, it plays an important role in stabilizing ecosystems and regulating prey populations. The jaguar has featured prominently in the mythology of numerous indigenous peoples of the America, including those of the Maya and Aztec civilizations. A short and stocky limb structure makes the jaguar adept at climbing, crawling, and swimming. The head is robust and the jaw extremely powerful. It has the third highest bite force of any cat after the tiger and the lion. A 200-pound jaguar can bite with 1,100 pounds of force. The jaguar walks slowly down forest paths, listening for and stalking prey before rushing or ambushing. The jaguar attacks from cover, and usually from a target's blind spot with a quick pounce. The species' ambushing abilities are considered nearly peerless in the animal kingdom by both indigenous people and field researchers. And here, the sound of the jaguar. And back again, Reverend Billy here. 
with our interview of the week, a very special person, Lena Nightstar-Tallon. Hello. Hello, Lena. Thanks for being here with us today. It's great to have you. Yeah. Let me ask you, what's it like living in a family that protests power, protests corporations and governments? What's well, that like? Well, the thing about that question is, uh, you see, I don't know what it's like not to. So if, if I don't know what it's like not to, then I don't know what it's like to. So uh -huh. I guess it's the way I live. I live protests maybe once a week or so. <laughs> and if you're special, you have a big one that your family makes every month or so. And the last big one was the Policeman's Benevolent Association. Yeah. And you had a role. Tell us about your hand sanitizing job. Well, I basically just gave away bullhorns when the time was right. And I washed the bullhorns when people used them. And I would run around. And I also was in charge of some of the, some of the media that just was kind of like they got too close. You know what I mean? Oh, they were getting in the way. Yeah, kind of. You mean getting between the audience and the speakers? So um, I was standing here giving away bullhorns while the circle was going around. And mm -hmm. then the weird people from the media started coming in at like at a triangle version. And they were taking pictures. Not very many of them, but there, there was still the type of people that like... Uh, I mean, you don't really want to be around them. Like, it was just, it was a bad vibe really? for my aura. Really? Bad vibe? I, their auras were... Uh, their auras were sketchy. Clingy, <laughs> I would say. And so, yeah, so uh, I didn't shoo them away, but I tried to get them away. There was this other time when we were doing um, the... You were a powerful person. ...queer protest, and um, I was in the lead for the two trans people... Kai and Graham. The Queer Liberation March. Yeah, the Queer Liberation March. Right. That's the name. And um, there were thousands of paparazzi people. <laughs> I mean, they were at that point, they were paparazzis because they were just random people coming in. You kind of can't tell who's media and who isn't. We're all media now. So yeah, we all have funny. cameras. We're all taking pictures all the time. And a lot of those people just don't have any destination for the pictures, really, except their own social media, which is fine. You know, I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah. I was just kicking them. Like, I would literally kick them back. Well, what did they say? Did they say, stop it? Um, well, stop actually, <laughs> I realized that one of the people that was picturing me was Vogue. You were kicking the Vogue magazine person? Yeah. <laughs> I was, I, now, I was I kicking recall, one of the photographers. You ended up being in Vogue. <laughs> yeah, with a few other people. You and Kai and Graham and somebody from the back and two other people. Anyway, back to you, back to you, the subject of this amazing interview. We um, have a corporation that we will concentrate on over the next six weeks of the shopping season. The Amazon company. We've got this company that's everywhere now. On all the billboards, the trucks are everywhere stopping traffic. What does it look like to have, in just the last couple years, this one company has just ballooned into an enormous thing. What does it feel like? So when I look at a sign, I see a logo. And once I look at the logo, I start having preferences about the logo. Now, I know there's a saying, don't judge a book by its cover. 
but I am the book and I will judge everyone else. I know you will. And Aries. So what happens, <laughs> what happens in this situation is that, for instance, like I'm walking down the street, I see an Amazon. I start judging all of their the detail that should be there. Like there should be shading on the arrow. Why isn't there shading on the arrow? Why can't they That's just make point. it 3D? I don't understand. They have billions of dollars every second that they make like that and they can't afford a new designer. Well, I think it's interesting that, and Savitri also mentioned this, that you would concentrate on the surface that's you're making an artistic judgment, and that's what that company is. It's all surface. Once you look at a surface, there's something under it, right? What is under it? Billions of dollars that's not being donated to charity for some weird reason that everyone... Okay, first of all, five reasons I hate Amazon <laughs> by Lena. Number one, okay, their logo. Number two, they say that funding for one year of charity with $2 billion... Like, just like something amazing like that is a lot. Well, it is, but they make like a billion a second. Jeff Bezos is a trillion dollars. That's right. Good point. They don't bother to give it to anything else. Wait, listen to this. So, for instance, if you pay one second of your funding, a normal person would just like give, I don't even know, a cent of a cent of a cent. But like for them, for them, it's like a million dollars. A second of profits? You couldn't just have given them an hour? One minute hour. of profits? You couldn't have just given them an hour of your profits? Ten minutes of in, profits? Of like ten years? Ten, it's staggering. Each day they gain like two million, trillion, billion more dollars. And they don't even bother to give it to charity. It just angers me. Number three, they don't train their workers. There was this guy and... um. He was doing that thing where the lifting thing on the truck and his manager hadn't trained him and he died because it fell on him. So they went to court with his family because his family was obviously angry, which makes so much sense. My, and sad. Yeah, my yeah. best friend Rufus told me this story. He shops on Amazon. He took an Amazon oh, spree no. the other day. Of course, he hates it and he's just addicted. He's trying to get it off of that. But uh, so Amazon paid their judge to like just go on like i mean Amazon, corruption yeah like they actually had a big case like they could be sued they could be fined that would be so much money not for them but it was just like really judge you you can't do that though you can't do that there was many, obviously many, many judges do do that there they, was they obviously accept various like kinds of favors and then number four is that they poison the earth yeah right Tell us something good that you really think of the, the Church of Stop Shopping. You know, when you, when you have the thought of this group, of which you're a part with your parents, your mother directs the whole thing. What's a good thought that you have about our so-called church? Well, let's see. I immediately, I think of Barbara, because she's kind of like the mascot. Then I think of Anki, which is a little child. I like to hug. Then I think of a few other people in the choir. Uh, yeah. I see. So you think of you think of the affection for the individuals in the choir. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Are there people that have moved away that you've kept in touch with? Um, 
Um, yeah, so a very interesting story. <laughs> Mark Reed, um, he's somebody who moved to Maine recently. Miss him a lot. He has a niece here who I actually happen <laughs> to sometimes yell at on our block. So in that way, yes, I keep I keep in touch with Is them. love the thing that directs us towards a better society? Love? Is that the biggest part of justice and fairness? Well, you're a very loving person. But I think that our listeners already sense you're also very direct and unafraid. You don't seem to be very afraid. You're not very <laughs> shy, are you? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But you're very loving. And so I just wondered if, if love directs you. Is love your director? No. Nope. Well, let's go in the opposite direction. What about the people that are really evil? Well, I mean, that depends. They don't think they're evil. So are they evil? Because they don't think they're evil. What about... What We're about, political people, so we make, we make a judgment. Well, we make a judgment, but we never think about how both sides actually have an opinion against the other side. What's the middle? So as... An independent person. I think that Democrats and Republicans go against each other so hard that in the middle, they both think they're right and that the other side is evil. But do we ever take the time to figure out that nobody's evil? Nobody's evil. You can like have bad judgments against people and just not be a good person, which is different than being evil. But being evil is pure just like, why do we get to call them evil? Well, what is point. the point in that? That's a good point. How does that make sense? I mean, what they think we're evil. We think they're evil. Where does it end? Is there anyone who's not evil? There are those people who just don't really have an opinion. Makes sense. Oh, they're evil. Yeah. They're passive and they don't work at change. and They're just the consumers. They don't have an opinion. Yes. That's evil. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, I shouldn't use that word. I shouldn't teach my daughter that word either. It's all love, love, love all the way. I'm grateful that you are a part of our family and our protest movement against the monoculture, against the corporations that hurt people and hurt life. Lena, thank you for being with me today here and talking with me. Can we do this every year? Do it again next year, same time, same place? Every year, the same time. Okay, well, we'll see if your radio show, which it probably will be. Well, thank you, Lena. Work. Thank you. And uh, You're welcome. Earthalooyah. Goodbye. <laughs> back to my earth. Reverend Billy, back again. And it's time for Letters to the Earth Church This week we have selected Erasmus from Portland, Oregon. Erasmus writes, and it's a great name, Erasmus. (laughs) Dear Reverend, do I sanitize Amazon packages? How do I keep the delivery people six feet away if I have to sign for something? And about Thanksgiving, how do we stand in line for the turkey? Spaced out six feet apart, a line that snakes out through our own front door? Well... (laughs) That's a good image. 2020, shocking year. The most 
ordinary domestic task disrupted. And that's why some people are looking forward to the holidays as a respite from the constant disruption by the disasters, by COVID and so forth. No, the answer is the holidays are very important, very radical, very different. Let's bring back the real power of the holy days. One thing all the cultures have in common with the holidays, let's think of just Thanksgiving coming up, which is, which is a, what is it? A pagan, secular, it's, a, it's the holiday that survives on its own terms, I would say, right now. Thanksgiving is gratitude. It's gratitude that goes out to the earth, thanking the earth for the bounty. As we eat that sacred meal, we are thanking the beautiful food coming into our body simultaneously with the partaking of it. The message goes out. The energy comes in. It's very real, very direct. Let's go straight to the radical gratitude now from that sacred meal. Identify what is from the natural world inside the holiday. Now, in the age of industrial revolution, when so much of our food comes mysteriously from some distant place by way of markets and long-distance internal combustion engines and so forth, terribly destructive, one of the main contributors to climate change is the industrial agricultural industry. Well, no. Let's close that gap. Let's become organically involved in that sacred meal. It's right here in my body now. And I'm thanking it and connecting with things that may be in the distance, but it's all in this cycle of life. And so we emerge from our holiday with the knowledge of the natural world that is in our songs, in our prayers. I was raised by the Christians myself. I remember the evergreens, the mistletoes, the, the reindeer on the roof. There's just Nature is everywhere in the holidays. It just hasn't been seen, recognized in a vivid way, in a dangerous way, in an, an alive way for some time. We've been phoning it in. It's been sentimental. It's been nostalgic. Can't be anymore. It has to be a springboard to action in the earth where there is a struggle called the sixth extinction going on. Silence is sweeping around the world. Habitat species dying. We have to reapply our life to the life that is disappearing. Because in so many cases, we are the cause. Go back, go back to the earth. Go back and beyond courage, go back with the nature in us and join with that struggle. Now, good things are happening. The pipelines are being stopped by communities, especially by grandmothers <laughs> who are willing to, you know, handcuff themselves to a bulldozer. The Atlantic coast down in Virginia, that pipeline, the, the Standing Rock pipeline has been stopped. The big one, the XL that goes from Canada to the refineries in Texas has been stopped. The natural gas, the fracking from Pennsylvania can't come through New York anymore to get shipped on the Atlantic Ocean to China and markets overseas. So the fossil fuel infrastructure has been under a robust attack. That meat needs to just keep growing. Things that you think of as impossible are now possible when you are the nature yourself. 
the police. The police automatically defend property, defend profits. The Chase Bank, the Walmart, the Amazon Bank, the Amazon Bank. <laughs> it's a big collection of money. Big Green now receiving hundreds of millions of dollars from Amazon. Next Friday, Black Friday, we will be at the mansion of Jeff Bezos at the northwest corner of Madison Square Park at the corner of 26th and 5th Avenue. There's a Natural Resources Defense Council office right in the area as well. We're going to be there at high noon, Friday the 27th. Be there with us. Wear a black. We will be celebrating a funeral. We will be mourning. Mourning the corruption of the environmental movement. Mourning the persistent normalizing of murder by the Chase Bank, by Walmart, by Amazon. So the holidays are a relaunch, a reboot, a circling back by the natural world to itself with the new membership of a species that had gone off and become isolated, the human beings. We're back. Earthalluya. Earthalluya. And now, time to say goodbye. This is Reverend Billy signing off. Don't be shocked by COVID's mind is the title of today's Earth service. We have to thank, of course, the Stop Shopping Choir for their Things Fall Apart song, Nehemiah Luckett on the solo. The Fiery Eagles of Justice with the Hurricane in Every State piece. Jason Candler, our editor and producer on the saxophone, Brendan Burke on the drums. The voice of the news from the natural world, that would be Savitri D, also the director of the Church of Stop Shopping. Thank you so much. We've got Lena Nightstar Talon in her debut, <laughs> our interview. Great job, Lena. We want to thank Neil Young for putting the letters to the Earth Church on the religion page of the Times Contrarian, which is the newspaper part of his Neil Young archives. Thank you, Neil. We have a thank you going out to the Pantheon podcast people who send us to the podcast networks. Thank you, Peter and Christian. And now a special thank you to WDRT in Viroqua, Wisconsin, 91.9 on the FM dial for joining our family of FM radio stations. Welcome. All right. This is Reverend Billy signing off. Earth-a-luya, change-a-luya, love-a-luya. Amen.